0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Hey, this is Aaron. Just wanted to let you know what's coming up. Uh, We've got a great lineup today. First up, we're listening to Kavitha Davidson. She's uh, the host of the lead podcast, daily podcast for The Athletic. Um, And then later in the show, uh, we'll talk with her about uh, the new hires and the Rooney rule and what's going on with that. And then we'll extend the conversation to Ken Shropshire, who is the CEO of Global Sports Institute at Arizona State University. So stay tuned.
2: Everybody, Welcome to another version of Bill Roden on sports uh, here on a chilly uh, January day uh, in uh, midtown Manhattan here with uh, my erstwhile steadfast co-host and good friend, the great Jamal Murphy.
0: What's up, Bill? Glad you could uh, make it in today. It's rough. it's rough out there, I know.
2: Okay. <laughs> uh, and across from me, I'm very happy to acknowledge uh, my co-host, good friend, uh, coordinator, journalist, master of all trades, uh, the great Aaron Matthewson. Aaron, what's happening?
1: And that, just trying to stay warm, to be quite honest. Have, did you get caught in the squall or the two squalls? Yes,
2: that was exactly what I was caught in. That's what I, the I, squall. I, I knew that, Bill. And, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. what I did, The squall.
0: Yeah, so lots going on, especially on the coaching Uh, NFL coaching uh, side of things and the injustice injustice as far as that goes, Uh, we have a very special guest on to discuss that with. Uh, We have Kavitha Davidson on with us today, host of The Lead, a daily podcast uh, for The Athletic. Uh, She's she's a sports business reporter for The Athletic, Uh, previously was a columnist and feature writer for ESPNW and ESPN Magazine. Uh, Welcome to the show, Kavitha.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for being here. Yes.
1: Kavita, you're missing the squall. What's? Uh,
0: she's on the West Coast, I, you know, so she's she's chilling.
1: I'm What's crazy? Every time I see someone tweet about the squall, I get a little
3: fear in my eye. Because right now, I know this sounds terrible. I'm in sunny
2: California, but it doesn't feel like January. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Are you on the beach? Uh,
3: I'm not. I'm in, I'm in <clears throat> West Hollywood, but uh should be on the beach, right?
2: Unbelievable. But, you know, good career choices. <laughs> no question about it. Uh, yeah, well, why, why don't we get into it? Because, um, as I said, uh, you know, when we were talking off air, though I thought it was on air,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, couldn't have a better person to have on the show to discuss, um, uh, well, a number of things, but particularly the NFL. You know, I, I, I was saying, completely that I'm, I'm really, I normally, I guess I've been so jaded about racism uh, that it's not like I accept mm-hmm. it, but you just kind of grind forward and keep on dealing with it. But this year, with, with with the NFL, the owners, all the stuff that they've been through, you know, blackballing Colin Kaepernick, uh, buying off protests by paying off the Players Coalition. Uh, and now, you know, they've got these openings and just blatantly not hiring any people of color, well, Ron Rivera, no black people, and hiring some white guys who, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, right. a guy from the taxi squad, essentially, <laughs> somebody, you know. And I'm like, just the nerve of these people, you know. And that is what it is—is nerve. So I just was wondering, what you're making of all this, the hiring—if—if you noticed, I know, because this is what you write about. But just, what do you make of 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 these hirings and the non-hiring of 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 any uh, black folks? I mean, honestly,
3: honestly, Bill, I wish I could say I was surprised, but like, this was something that we've been talking about for up for years. But especially going into the season, right? Like going into the season, there were only four head coaches who were minorities. One of whom was Rob Rivera, who was one of the coaches who just got hired. And you're not even really moving the needle with that hire, Who right. was fired in December? Um, and and it's just it's frustrating to see, and it's you know the tokenism that the Rooney Rule is being applied with. Time and time again, I mean, I'm a fan of the New York Giants. And if you want to talk about a guy getting hired, you have no idea what a white guy getting hired. And you have no idea where he came from or what his pedigree is. You can talk about Joe Judge. I mean, I think, you know, even if you're thinking about the race thing, Giants fans all over yesterday when this hiring was announced were really like, "Who? who is Joe Judge? And you were telling me that, a special teams coach, uh, a guy who was a special teams coach and a wide receivers coach on the New England Patriots, who, by the way, did not have good wide receivers this year, <laughs> right. deserves to run the New York Giants over Marvin Lewis or any like name your like name your black candidate who has earned his 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 way there, who has coached under you know prestigious coaching trees, who has served in defensive or offensive coordinator positions. I think the question is, what will it actually take?
2: The yeah, and that, that, you know, and I've been thinking about that too a lot. And you know, with all due respect to you know uh, Colin Kaepernick and the you know the protest and the athletes protesting, you know, my whole thing is, man, you guys should protest your own industry. You know, why don't we take care of your industry first? Why don't we take care of getting getting uh, black folks and people of color in your industry? You know, uh, you should be you should be protesting that. You know, every time you go through the front office and you don't see anybody that looks like you, when this stuff happens, I would really hope that beginning and and again, unfortunately, Demora Smith is such a weak kneed leader, that they should threaten protests beginning in Miami and then let the owners know they're going to start protesting at the regular season. Like they, we know from experience that the owners hate to be embarrassed. They hated the kneeling, they hated that stuff. I said, you know what? You're going to get a steady dose of that mm. starting in starting in the new season. You're going to start getting a steady dose of kneeling and fist raising because this is exactly what Kaepernick was talking about. Inequities, uh, blatant racism, structural racism. But I think instead of they, they were looking outward, you need to look inward because this is embarrassment. What right. do you think about that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, but you're talking, about, you're talking about the players should kneel? I mean, yeah. the players should protest?
2: Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, it's like as a journalist, my thing is I want more people of color, more young black folks in 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 the press box. Because, you know, as, as you know, the press box is almost as segregated now as it was, you know, 50 years ago.
0: And same with the coaches.
2: Yeah. And and so I'm saying, so what can we do in our industry to bring in more people of color and black folks? Well, I, we'll do programs. I don't know what you do. Out there. You know, so I'm saying let's take care of our industry. So, yeah, I'm talking about the players protesting, uh, kneeling. You know, it's the only, because we know that these billionaires don't care about much else. They care about that. You know, they care about that. But it would take a concerted effort, you know, from the players, the players union. That's what you guys should be protesting. But what do you what do you think about that? Well, I
3: mean, I think you hit the nail on the head when you when you talk about when you see players walking around front offices and there's nobody there who looks like them. I mean right. there are no GMs, there are you know, there are no black GMs, and it really does start from the top, right? Um, it's a question of who is doing the hiring and and, you know whether we're talking about coaches in the NFL or the NBA you see this all the time you know GMs and owners like coaches who look like them and it's, it's it's not, it doesn't have to necessarily just be a thing, a, a thing where, you know, oh, I'm not comfortable with a black coach. They're just more comfortable with a guy that they know and with a guy that they can, they can, they can run with, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really where the problem starts. It's the networking size of it. And, you know, you look at all of these coaches who have been, been interviewed, Jim Caldwell and the, the offensive coordinator from Kansas City, and, you know, these guys are in, infinitely qualified. And you just wonder what it'll take. For them to get the recognition from from guys who, who are only bringing them in for interviews, I mean that's what's so insulting, right? Because that you have right. this rule that was supposed to help, the problem, and it's only you know they're only going to do lip service to it. The letter of the of the law is being served, but the spirit of the rule absolutely
0: isn't. Right, and I think you know one of the things too is that the that they keep changing, they keep moving the goalposts back. Um, you know, one of the things was that as far as the, the lack of hiring of, of black head coaches was, well, you know, we you know, we need more coaches at, at lower levels or we need, you know, there, there aren't many offensive coordinators who are, who are black or, you know, the pipeline is, is, uh, is not that strong, but, you know, there are plenty of coaches, you know, all throughout the NFL assistant coaches who are black. You had, you know, you mentioned the offensive coordinator from, from Kansas city, Eric B. Enemy. Um, he has been the offensive coordinator for probably, you know, one of the top three offenses in the league the past two years. The prior offensive coordinator uh, under Andy Reid was hired by by the Bears a couple years ago in, in Nagy. So you know what, what's the excuse now that that the enemy doesn't get a chance, and for them to and for these teams like the Giants and and the Panthers to hire guys with much less experience. Um, you don't you know you can't even make they can't even make the argument that that uh, you know that that. They were hiring guys, you know, who, who have, who have you know, had more experience than, than some of these black coaches. You can't say that now. You hire a guy who was a special teams coach from New England, uh, you know, was assistant special teams coach one year at Alabama under Nick Saban. And then you got Matt Rule, you know, a college coach who didn't even have that great of a record at Baylor. I mean, it's almost, you know, it's, it's, it's beyond, I mean, it was, it's almost like an intentional insult. That's, I don't know how else black coaches are supposed to take
2: that. What, what, what do you what do you think? I mean, you, you've covered, uh, and, and I think you've also, you, you've been a columnist. Um, mm-hmm. What, what I mean, what's your perspective on this, and not so much why, because I think we spend, we waste a lot of time, you know, running, oh, this guy's qualified. Well, we know that the bottom line is racism. You know, I mean, that's the bottom line. That's the starting point. It's racism, and it's sort of a white supremacist thing with white males in particular, Wanting to see themselves and everything, so again, you raise the question. But I'm asking you, how do you, how would you deal with this? I mean, and let's talk about it from a from a racial standpoint, from a gender standpoint, because women have had to confront this in a a different way. But this same stone wall of male dominance, how do you, how do you deal with this? I mean, we're
3: actually we're seeing this over in baseball. Um, The Yankees just hired a woman. I forget her last name. Her first name is Rachel. Um, as, as, a, as a training coach and she has sent her resume out 15 times. She sent her resume out a number of times with getting no notified. She's a very qualified she, you know she was a strength and training coach in college and all that um, for softball and baseball team. And she changed the name at the top of her resume from Rachel to Ray. So you couldn't tell just from reading her resume what gender she was, she right. suddenly got 15 teams trying to talk to her. Right? <laughs> now that's not something a black coach can do right. A black coach can't suddenly show up to an interview and pass his white. So I don't. I don't know <laughs> yeah. what the solution is from that level, but it is absolutely something that, that women are dealing with, that that you know minority coaches are dealing with. And again, I think it this all starts at the top, and I think that it, it takes more. Like you know, you see Tori Smith talking about it, and you see you see you see players, former and current, talking about this as being a problem. It's going to take people at the top. And maybe it's going to take someone, you know, I'm not going to say Adolfo Birch, but, you know, there are black executives at the higher ranks in the NFL who think, you know, they have to be looking around and thinking this is a problem. And it's going to be the people who already have the power who who need to kind of step up and and say that we need to do something about this and talk to their owners. And also, by the way, you know, of the coaches, Bomani tweeted this um, earlier today, of the, I want to say, 18 black coaches that have been in the NFL in NFL history, four, 10 have made the playoffs, four have made the Super Bowl, two have won Super Bowl. So guys, if right. you actually want to win, maybe outside your tiny
0: little circle. Right, no question about that. Let me ask you this. I mean, we they already have the Rooney Rule in effect, and you know, just mentioning that now makes me laugh, you know, unconsciously. But um, do you think, I mean, do you think there's, there's, a, does the Rooney rule is it outdated uh should 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 there be another rule to take its place um you know what's your what's your take on that like you know in terms of a solution and whether whether the we should just get rid of the Rooney rule or whether you whether you think it actually is helping in some way
1: yeah because it just seems like a box check it's like yep we had Marvin Lewis come in we're gonna hire who we're gonna hire right well absolutely
3: is a box check right um you know, you look at Jim Caldwell, I think he met with four or five teams, and obviously none of them had any intention of actually hiring him. Um, you know, I don't... It has actually gotten better since the Rooney Rule was implemented, which has kind of said a lot about how bad it was. Um, and, and Tony Dungy has, you know, talked a lot, for example, about, about what needs to happen um, with kind of codifying the Rooney Rule and making it so it's not just a box check. So I don't think getting rid of it is the solution here, but at the same time, you know, I don't, I don't like the idea of quotas because that also sounds like, you know, you're going to have a handful of coaches who get trotted out every year as the example that, hey, we're doing what we can to combat racism or to give everybody an equal shot, but not everybody is as qualified. Um, you know, honestly, media pressure is, is the number – media and public pressure, I think, is the number one thing that we can rely on in this case. I think when it comes to the actual rule – you know, we, we need to debate how it's implemented. We need to debate just how far these meetings are going. And also, you know, again, just different owners have different levels of power and different, you know, some owners are owners by committee and then some, like Jerry Jones, are the owners and the GM. And it's, you know, there's the a all and end-all of how hiring happens uh, on their team. And there needs to be more of, um, more of a conversation, more of a democratic process, I guess, for how these teams are run. Because otherwise, you know... Their teams are just going to continue doing what they do. Like, Sports teams are notorious for being small C conservative, not wanting to like think outside the box or go anywhere. And you're seeing this with, you've been seeing this over the years with quarterbacking, right? And now you suddenly have this young crop of very good, very talented, black quarterbacks who are either mobile quarterbacks or traditional passers like Mahomes. Um, who who are bucking this trend and they're they're able to change people's minds about about what they've always thought of in hiring and, and recruiting in these positions because they're just winning on the field. Um you think that that winning would be the most important thing here. So it's gonna be the success of this small sliver, this small handful of coaches who have already had the shot and it's unfair that the burden is placed on their shoulders, but that's really what what we're going to need in order to like change people's minds and get them to keep
0: giving black coaches even more of a shot. The the quota thing, you know, you mentioned, you know, we don't want quotas and all that. And I, you know, the word quota and the connotation, you know, sounds terrible even for, you know, black people. And over the years, black people and and minorities have, have, you know, pushed against that also the, the whole idea of a quota. But when you think about it, I mean, what what else what else would make the NFL make these make these hires? Um, you, know, I, you know, I talked to Rod Graves, who's who's uh, head of the the Fritz the Fritz the Pollard Fritz Powell,
2: yeah. Alliance, Alliance. Fritz, Powell.
0: Fritz Powell Alliance, and you know what he said is just like anything else, uh, NFL owners are going to have to make uh, they're going to have to make an, do an intentional act, make an intentional right. act uh, to create di- diversity. Um, in order to tackle that, so it's not a you know pe- people always say well you know one of the the things I always hear is well you know we we don't want to we want to make it about hiring the the uh, best person for the job oh really these are the best people you're finding right. that you keep hiring and firing right. all you know all throughout the years these are the best people for the job right. you know so that's never going to happen right. and and we joked about this on the last <laughs> podcast I mean B- Bill Roden could have been technically a uh, quota hire for the That's times. Right. It, it worked out pretty well.
2: Right, yeah. I, I, Don Imus. Oh, yeah, Bill Roden. that quota hire. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but uh, to me, I, I always go back the to— the same language. As, yeah, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. The yeah, best person with a job. Right. Like women not having these jobs. Right, right. Well,
3: you don't have enough women who are interested in these positions. And no, it's that you're not giving the opportunity to people who are full— overqualified, like the idea that if you look at the crop of black coaches who could be hired as head coaches how how much more qualified how much more they have had to prove themselves than a Joe judge or a Matt rule coming from baylor you know it's it's really laughable
2: right so so it gets back to the thing you know what did Frederick Douglass say there's no progress without struggle, and I say force i mean the the only reason the only reason that there are you mentioned the crop of new black quarterbacks because remember all the stuff they had to go through. Well, now you're realizing it's got to the point where if you don't have that type of play, you're not going to win. So that's winning. That, the reason why the league is like 80% black players it has to do with winning. And that's, that's sort of been the history of black folks. When we were, we're, we're predominant when you just have to have us. But anything beyond that, when it's a luxury you know, the tie always goes to the white people. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when it's subjective, you know, team president is, well, you know, we could we add, could now now they're doing analytics. Mm-hmm. They're creating a whole another tier of hiring for white people. And, and that, that's sort of what the NFL, the NFL's created as welfare state for white coaches. You know, they, they get fired, then they hire, then they hire their boys, and then they, ha- you know, to me, the only, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, it really is going to take players to really speak out, speak up, demonstrate, threaten to go nuts, you know, threaten to like kneel, demonstrate, do other things to just be, be the nice, nice little boys you could pat on the pat on the head, you know, and it has to be concerted so they won't pick people off. To me, it just has to be a matter of of force and intentionality. So,
1: well, I'm curious yeah. for you guys: Do you think the Cleveland Browns will pick up? Um, a head coach of color. You think it's
2: unlikely? No, I mean unless they do you know, Robert Sala. You know,
0: it could be Sala, but it could also could be. I mean, supposedly, be enemies in the running. Uh, they, but they've also talked about um, from the Patriots the the offensive point. Josh, uh, Josh McDaniel's. Josh, yeah. um, so you know we'll see. But I mean, to, honestly, the way the Giants and the Panthers—not just who they hired, but the way they did it—it it was so fast. There's no way that they that they could have, you know, seriously given thought to any to anybody else. The you know the way they did that um, and then to hire guys with no previous NFL experience when you have guy, when you have, you know, an array of of coaches sitting there who have, you know, uh, black coaches, minority coaches who have experience. Um, like I said before, it, to me is a is a slap in the face, almost similar to to you know to blackballing Kaepernick. Like it was, you know, just doing something so obviously right. Racist. Whether whether they whether they uh, were conscious, you know. And, and should I give them the benefit of the no, doubt
2: that they weren't conscious? Of no, it? They, of course, <laughs> of course. But you know, I think relative to Kaepernick too, I think they realized that once the players' union, once Demoris, once he did not galvanize players against what happened to Kaepernick, they said, "Well, shit, we could." You know, there's clearly no resistance. There's no consequence. Right. You know, there's there, there's no consequence to us do this kind of stuff. You know. Um so, you know, it, it, i it I think there has to be um protest. There has to be some tangible stuff. Um so you know. I
3: agree with well, that like you know like, like if you if you were to have a protest from the players actually be unified and be meaningful and impactful toward the hiring of coaches and executives who are black in the NFL, you know, you you need you really need union leadership to make that happen. Like right. you, you, you can see that happening in the NBA with how much power relative to the NFL, you know, players in the NBA have. But players in the NFL don't have that power, and it's been further dissipated by exactly what you mentioned by kind of divide and conquer aspect with the players' coalition. Right. So I don't I don't really see a way forward with that, frankly.
0: And even, and even you mentioned the NBA. It's not it's not as if the NBA. Doesn't have problems in in this area also. You know they they've been you know we've been talking about the NBA for the past couple of years. They they're not you know they're not all that clo- rep- you know fairly represented as far as you know uh, NBA coaches of color either. And while we say that they have all this power, um, have they really have they used it in that way? I mean, there's only a couple black. Uh, GMS right. in, in the NBA They're only six, so, six head coaches seven. So that's the maybe. thing. Like I I think I agree with you. Yeah, you know we would love for the for the players to, to stand together. And I guess maybe Demora Smith is the problem, or one one of the main main problems. But we haven't seen that's something we have never we have never seen. You know the players stand together for for any kind of uh, important cause like that.
2: Right. Well, you know I mean even in football when 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 there was a critical mass of players kneeling protest. You know
0: and even then it was what? It, like
2: five yeah, or but ten? It, it was enough that the owners right. got the message right, right. it freaked, it freaked the owners out enough when you had star players mm. star players on the team kneeling it freaked them out enough that they said, okay we got we got to, we got to do something about this right and what they, they reached in their pocketbook and they co-opted some people <laughs> you know I mean really they co-opted people. but right. it, was, it wasn't you don't have to have everybody protesting okay. you just have to have some key people protesting in every sport, you know, when LeBron, you know, kind of start talking about, you know, during the Sterling thing. Granted, the owners wanted to get rid of Sterling anyway. But when LeBron and Steph Curry, those guys, start grumbling about, well, maybe we won't play during the playoffs. You know, they, they say, OK, they, you know, they could whip it up. And so that's the, um, it, like you said, though, it, it's a it's challenge. But it, 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 there has to be some type of pressure, I, I guess, and where that comes from. I don't know. Hey, Kavitha, I want to ask you something just about your career. You had a remarkable, a remarkable career. I'm always curious, uh, um, particularly for young people who are trying to get into the industry, I'm always curious to ask people who are really in it how you got from point A to point B. So how did you get to the athletic? I know that we were colleagues at one point at ESPN, but what's the sort of snapshot of what's been an incredible career to this point?
3: Uh, well, first of all, thank you, um, Bill, coming from you, like that is the highest praise. Um, you know, it's been it's been a little bit of a of an all over the place thing. And I think a lot of people, you know, if you wanna talk about uh, like minority hybrid, you know, you and me didn't have the connections to break into this business that I think some other people did to, you know, get that first internship in the door. So sometimes you gotta hustle a little bit. Um, so, you know, I, I had an internship that uh at, at the Heavens and Post that I like I knew I wanted to write for am twenty two years old. And, you know, I made every meeting with with kind of every editor that I possibly could and I made a list of sports stories that I wasn't it wasn't a sports internship. But I made a list of sports stories that I wanted to cover and I just ended up just writing them, you know, um and, and impressing a couple of editors here or there, and one of the editors that I impressed ended up going to Bloomberg to, you know, help them start their uh, uh, opinion page. And that was really my first job at Bloomberg, uh, was as a sports columnist. And, you know, then I went from Bloomberg to the SPN, uh, and then, you know, I left the APN and, and came to the athletics. Uh, and I, I I went from business reporting at Bloomberg, business columnist at Bloomberg, to doing a lot more of the social issues um, at MSPN and then back to the business side of things at The Athletic. And now, you know, I host uh, our daily podcast, The Lead, where we do a little bit of everything. Um, but really, you know, if, if you're asking how, you know, what advice I have, it's really just, you know, the hustle. Like, this yeah. is a hard business to break into if you don't know people in there. And, you know, if you go to like a conference or a talk or something and you meet somebody, don't be shy about giving somebody, you know, getting somebody's
2: contact info and just like keep sending somebody a resume because it might be annoying, but there's kind of no other way to break into the industry. Right. I'm curious, and I'm I'm relevant. I'm going to be teaching uh, a course in column writing. And my dilemma is this is going to be the young Mm -hmm. people. Um, You were a columnist pretty early on. I mean, that was your first job. Do you Do you think you need to be older to be a columnist? I mean, that was your first job. A lot of times older people, old heads will say, oh, no, you can't be a columnist right off the bat. You got to, you know, pay your dues, be a reporter. Um, What do you think about that? Because clearly that was your first job as a columnist. Right. Well, so I completely see
3: where that comes from, right? Like the traditional track is you, you do your time and you serve, you know, as a reporter for many, many years. And then you kind of, then you transition into the columnist space, right? So that helps you hone your voice, but also that helps you not be shrill. That helps you, you know, be well-sourced. Like, like, the point of being a reporter first is to kind of, like, like nail down those aspects of a journalist, of asking questions, of picking up the phone, of getting people on the ground, of, of all of that, and of taking, you know, all of what you're hearing in stride and evaluating, you know, what sounds like a lie, what doesn't, and and, and that kind of thing. And then, like, when you hone your columnist voice, being able to take those skills and do that in an informed way. I will say that, you know, it was very difficult for me. Like, I came from, you know, I was a sports editor in college, I was a sports, I was a sports reporter in college. I came from, you know, a, a, a very heavily reporting background. I'd never really been a columnist. And it was very difficult for me at first. To figure out the differences in those two roles, and it very much did help that at Bloomberg I had, you know, my editor Toby was Toby Harsha was a veteran from the New York Times uh, and and really did, you know, help me uh, help shape me as a very young columnist into, you know, a more you know a more seasoned columnist by the end of my tenure at Bloomberg. Um, but but it is really a challenge, and I think it's also a challenge um, in. You know, in, in today's, today's digital media, right, we have, there's so many great things, there's so many democratizing things about digital media. You have people who look like you and me getting shot when they, they might not have under traditional media. You have people, you know, who are challenging establishment talking points and, and establishment lines who probably wouldn't be comfortable doing that if, you know, their media outlets were beholden to the same advertisers or media partners that... Uh, that, that traditional media outlets are. But at the same time, I think that the loudest voice tends to win. And what was the most important to me to learn as a columnist is how to get a strong opinion and a strong point of view across without shouting and to back it up with as much data and as much fact as possible and as much reporting as possible, too. Um, but, you know, it's not like... The, the challenge, I think, for younger writers and for writers who don't have a reporting background is how, how to be a columnist and, and, and an analyst, right? Because columns are opinion and analysis. How to do that without just yelling and without just having the hottest pick. I think that's the, the number
1: one challenge. Kavita, I'm wondering, as, as a woman of color, how what was your experience like just getting people to buy into you being a sports journalist? Was it hard or did people, were people like into it right away? Um, I will say I was very lucky um, with the people that I worked for at Bloomberg. Um, they, were, they never made me feel like
3: the minority in the room, which is, um, you know, kind of, you know, when you're the only, when you're the only person of color or the only woman or the only woman of color, um, you're often made to feel that. Um, and I was never made to feel that. At the same time, you know, when you're going beyond your own company, when you're the only woman in a press box, for example, you're very aware of it. Um, I always tell people, you know, I, I never was more aware of being the only woman at, at, a, a, at a, a sporting event than I was at the 2015 All-Star Game NBA All-Star Game at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, you're on the whole media row and your headphones are on and everyone's typing away on their laptop. Um, and then suddenly everybody takes their headphones off and looks up except for me. And I look up and it's because the Nick City Dancer did you just take in the court? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's... that where you're very aware of the only one and then the other side of it you know it's a but like the the kinds of messages especially when i write about gender or race um that i get and and every minority writer especially in sports is telling you that you know they're they're pretty horrible and frankly they haven't gotten any better over the last three years um but uh you know it it's it's those kind of comments where you realize just how much of an outlier you are, even if the people you're working with don't necessarily make you feel that way. But then you find these communities, right? Like Aaron and I found each other on Twitter. Hmm. Um, and I feel like, you know, women in sports Twitter is a very small but very strong place. Um, you know, people of color Twitter is, is, is the same. You know, there's this very, there's a strength of community. And even if we're from different backgrounds, we all have like a similar struggle in, in kind of proving that we belong in these spaces that have always been for, you know, white guys, basically. And in that way, actually, we know exactly what it's like, what these black coaches are like, right. who aren't getting the shot. Like, right. you mess up, it, it gets amplified. When I get a small fact wrong, which, you know, as journalists, you shouldn't get facts wrong, but it happens. When I get a fact wrong in something it's because I'm a woman and because I don't know about sports, right? It's because I don't belong in this space and not just because I was tired one day or I didn't like, you know, do enough of of the fact checking that I should have done. It gets amplified. Um, and so those are, those are the challenges that frankly, I don't think we're going to not face. Um, but it's the same thing with the coaches, right? If you have more GMs, you're going to have more black coaches. If we have more, editors who were people of color and women, and, and especially in sports, then, then that's how you start to see newsrooms diversifying on the ground as well.
0: Right. Uh, Kavitha, you are host of The Lead, as I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, you know, tell us about that podcast and, uh, and where we can find it.
3: Yeah, so The Lead is uh, the Athletic Daily Podcast. Uh, we're a joint project between The Athletic and One Jury. Um, and we are not behind the paywall. So the athletic is a subscription based site, obviously. Um, the lead is not behind the subscription. So you can find us on Apple or Spotify, Castbox, uh, Google podcast. I'm an Android user, so I listen to myself on Google. Um, and I'm basically where you can find a podcast. And what we are is, you know, we, we give you one really deep dive into a story every day of the week. So, it can be anything from, you know, previewing, you know, this week's divisional matchup to, uh, you know, to actually we're doing an episode on the Rooney um, mm. You know, yeah. something, something like that. Either it's gonna be something that is super topical one day and the next day it's gonna be something that is something deeper, a problem that's existing in sports or a trend that we're seeing. Um, and we really try to tell these stories in a way that's accessible to sports fans of all levels, like you know, we don't want to just be for the hardcore sports fan. We want to be kind of for everybody. And, you know, the most important thing is that these are good stories. They're they're very sound rich. And, you know, the people that I work with are veterans of the audience space and are really good at the storytelling aspect of it. So that's what, you know, we're trying to basically show you the ways in which sports are universal. And you don't really necessarily have to be a sports fan
2: to find these stories compelling. Just two things. Uh, Aaron referred to you as a woman of color. We need your woman of color credentials, and and also Kavitha is a beautiful name. How how did you get Kavitha? Is that? Thank you so I actually you know it's funny. So my parents are from India. My parents came to America in 1981. I was born
3: here. My sister was three when my parents came over here. Uh, straight to New York. lived there their whole lives. I just moved to LA. Um, Kavitha is. You know, people always comment on it. I, I love my name, Kavitha. My sister actually named me, um, and, and and I'm forever grateful because apparently my parents wanted to name me something. Mabel. But so Kavitha means lyric or poem, um, mm. and it's 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 a very ancient uh, traditional name. Uh, in in the, the Tamil language, Tamil is um, the language spoken in a lot of South India, which is where my parents are from. Um, but it dates back to Sanskrit as well. And people are always actually commenting on how beautiful my name is. It's very flattering. Um, and also how unique it is. And it's absolutely unique in America. But I also always tell people, it is the Jenny of India. Like, if you go to India, you know, there are probably 3 million people in that country. So, uh, you know, it's nice being unique here. Uh, but you know, whenever
2: my parents go back home, it's, it's, uh, they're, they're about to back there. That's no, great. Hey, well, well, this has been wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you tremendous. And just lastly, uh, I, I thought we were on air when I was talking about all your credentials, but the music, the trumpet, the French horn, do you, do you play? I mean, you actually performed, right?
3: I, I have performed yeah. So my main instrument is trumpet. Um, I'm also I started with the piano, but my like my first like my main love is the trumpet. Um, and I also play the French horn. Um, and I've been playing since I was gosh like nine years old. I've been playing piano since I was six and trumpet since I was nine. Wow. Um, yeah, and I, I I played at Carnegie Hall and Avery and Fisher Hall, now called David Deffen Hall, and. I uh, played with the Birmingham Symphony in London, and I I love music. But I was also like really fortunate to be a scholarship kid um, and have access to music programs um, at a time when music funding was being cut, especially in New York City. Um, so you know I'm gonna I'm gonna step on my soapbox and say that it's really important for us to expose to different kids of different economic backgrounds. Like I would not have been able to take music lessons if it weren't something that were available to me at a cheaper price, right? Um, but music is so important, and, and I love it. And I
2: wish I had more time to do it, frankly. Yeah, well, me too. Well, let, let's see. Who who knows? The chapter, the, the the book has not been written yet. Thank you so much for uh, for being on the show. Just, you know, just wonderful body of work and just so excited to see, you know, you know what the next five years, uh, maybe you'll be the president of ESPN. Maybe you'll come yeah. back to ESPN. Yeah. You know? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, thank
3: you, Bill Jamal, and Aaron. So, uh, it's really it's such an honor to be on this show. Bill, I mean, you've been an idol of mine since I was like six years old and wanted to be a sports writer. So, this is like. A
2: Did you say six? <laughs> wait, 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 can we, we're going south. You said six. <laughs>
3: that is that is a testament to how long standing your career is. Because I'm thirty.
0: So... Oh, wow. Hey, I hear you. Great, great great stuff. Uh, Thank you again, Kapita Davidson, uh, host of the lead uh, daily podcast for Athletic, also a sports business reporter for The Athletic. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, this was a great conversation.
2: Excellent, excellent, excellent. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has over 180,000 book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of the Bill Roden on Sports podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We highly recommend that you check out the classic 40 million dollar slaves, the rise, fall, and redemption of the black athlete by the one and only William C. Roden, an absolute must read. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports for your free audiobook.
2: Hello, Ken. Hey, 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 man, what you do? You gambling? <laughs> on the strip, oh, you, one of the buffets.
5: I'm betting on some of these playoff teams.
2: <laughs> be bet? You should bet.
5: Bet on, bet on
0: Lamar. Bet, bet, yeah,
2: bet on, bet on who's going to be the first brother? Who's going? Which brother? Who is going to get closest to not being hired? <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that should be the bet. <laughs> Our guest is Ken Shropshire, <laughs> the CEO of the Global Sports Institute at Arizona State University. Uh, put it on the map. Uh, done some tremendous things. And uh, how long have you been there, Ken?
5: Uh, coming up on three years now.
2: Wow, three years. And you were at the uh, Wharton School for what, more than three decades?
5: Uh, it, it, as long as you were at the New York Times. More than three decades. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 30, 33, 34 years. If, you, if you're going to tell on me, I'm going to tell on you. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, it's all good, man. We, the guest who came on before you was like, yeah, Mr. Roden, you know, I've been, you know, you've been inspiring me since I was six years old. I was like, six? <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> so, hey, man, so how you doing?
5: Things are good. Things are good. I'm... I'm I'm like everybody else watching this this post Black Monday. Let's just call it bleak bleak Monday bleak from now on. It had nothing to do nothing to do with black except when we're getting fired. Right? Like last <laughs>
2: That's week. right. That's right.
5: Otherwise had nothing to do. It's bleak bleak Monday, uh, a week later, and we got uh you said you should play some odds. We got one opening left. Cleveland. Cleveland.
2: Right. Well, well, normally, you know, normally, remember, the worst job, you could always say, well, the brother's going to get the worst job. But I—, yeah. I
5: Now they get no job.
2: Now they're getting no job. You know, so I mean— <laughs> we, can't, we can't
5: even get the worst house on the block anymore. Yeah, right. So, so we, that's
2: right. That's right. You know, and, and I mean, we were talking about this last night, Ken. Remember back in the day, the ghetto for black coaches would be the—, the uh, 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 what do you call it? The um, special, special teams. Teams. Yeah, now, no, nobody a got a head coaching job out of special teams.
5: I was just talking to a, a long timer from HBCUs, and and that was kind of a, the dream jump over job to get the opportunity to be a special teams coach. It was, it was, you know, it was a throw it shouldn't been. It was the throwaway job. Yeah. And now the couching is, and 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 I'll get this. You guys may have said this already. It's the only other position besides head coach that requires you to. Lead men from all parts of the team,
2: right? Mm.
4: Mm.
5: That's now right. Think about that. Right. Mm. So you know the the rule the rules will change when that's necessitated,
2: right? <laughs> because remember, the, guide,
5: the yeah. guidelines will change. I think. Uh, so we should have a whole b- bunch of brothers that were special teams coaches, that are our head coaches today, that's right. if that same philosophy was in place thirty years ago.
0: I think, and I think that's that's like one of the big lessons uh, from that i'm taking from this uh what's happening you know this cycle in terms of coaches is that you know the the rules will change the goalposts will be moved from side to side you know further back whatever way because um people will find a way to hire who they want to hire um you know there's been this all this talk about oh the pipeline and there are not enough uh, you know african-americans and minority coaches in the pipeline or in the proper pipeline in the they were saying last year the proper pipeline is offensive coordinator right. and, uh, you know, play caller. And then you have uh, Eric Bieniemy doing it for two years with one of the best offenses in the league. And then you have, you know, you have Leftwich over in Tampa Bay and James Winston putting up numbers. That's right. Whatever you want to say about him, putting up, putting up numbers. Too many interceptions. Right. But they just <laughs> hop over these, right. these qualified guys and go to guys who have no NFL, real NFL experience
5: you know th- 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 well here is here, here, I'm sorry but here is what we need to do you know when they took away the, the dunk from Kareem right. Lew Alcindor he invented the sky hook we got to figure out what what the sky hook is <laughs> what
2: the sky Whoa. hook the, the,
5: the rules the, the rules have changed and and and, and you, you got to be the best you can be at whatever you can do best under the rules that exist. but don't Try to develop yourself based on the pre-existing rules Mm. because the rules can change.
2: Uh, But the problem with the the Kareem analogy, not the problem, but the reason why we're talking about this before you go, the reason why black people are like dominate the NFL, NBA is there's no speculation because they can play. You know, you can you can play. You run faster. You jump higher. You grab the rebound. When it gets into this executive board stuff, these subjective types of things, that's when we have issues, when it's subjective. You know, they say, well, so-and-so's a good leader. What the hell does that mean? But when you could run a 4 or when you could jump out the gym, gen- you know, there's no, that's when the league becomes mostly black because you, you know, there's no wiggle room for talent, that kind of on-the-field right. talent. But when the stuff we're talking about, and we were talking about that yesterday, when they're saying, well, this guy could be a great head coach, he's, I can see him in front of the room. And you know, what mm. the fuck does that mean? Or well, I can see him, he's a leader of people. What the hell does that mean? Right. I can see, you know, what the fuck does that mean? It means nothing. But when you talk about Lamar Jackson, there's no interpretation, there's no wiggle room that this brother is like the best athlete on the thing, or, or this guy, Clowney, is the best pass rusher. You know, you have to play them. Our problem becomes when we are in those positions. When you don't have, when you don't have to have us, then that's when we have a hard time. When it's subjective,
0: right? When it's subjective, and we, and it, and even you know, even with the you know, the the guys on the field, the athletes on the field, um, you know, they can. And we've discussed this all year long with Kaepernick. I mean, they can keep you off the field. It's just really we only see it once you're allowed on the field. Then you can't deny the talent that's there. But they can keep you off the field, and they can keep you out of the out of the coaching ranks.
2: Well, they could keep you off the field. Uh, For the people to see. Yeah, but I mean, then there'll be another black person. But let me ask you: What do you think about this, Ken? Um, I, I think that the you know that the the protests have to come back because that's the only thing these owners listen to: force. So when you start kneeling again, if you begin to, if you if, if trust me, if 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 all of a sudden it, you start floating it out there that you, know, I think that, that we're gonna have demonstration in Miami during the Super Bowl and certainly during the upcoming NFL season, we may reintroduce kneeling and protesting because this isn't right. right. I think all of a sudden the dialogue that we have not heard, you start to hear, whether it be threats or something. But what do you think about that? Do you think that's unrealistic?
5: Well, let me take it down, <coughs> down a little path. You, you think about most of these brothers in the league, I, I, again, I, I'm saying this without data, have not played uh, throughout their careers for black coaches. Right, right. That's I mean, you, you in some ways you 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 can't miss what you never had. Right, and, and the reason why the the kneeling thing you know caught fire to the extent that it did is they'd experienced that stuff. They 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 knew about it, but this idea of of this 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 black coach thing, I you know I don't know things were, you know, we we won with. Whoever I had in high school at that suburban school, we won in college because you know the Power Five aren't doing much better.
4: Yeah.
5: They're doing worse, you know. So, so, so this is this is a a philosophical kind of you know uh, what's so what's so important about this?
4: Yeah, Having yeah, black yeah that's a
5: the point. That's I mean, I'm, point. I'm, I'm over. You know, I I'm, mean, I'm playing a little bit of devil's right. advocate here. Yeah,
2: no, that's,
5: that's but, right. I mean, I, you're, you're right. They're the, 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 the saying so many of these things. If the players would step up but are we are we asking the players to do something that's you know they they not haven't, they've haven't fought you know, correctly for guaranteed contracts
2: uh, <laughs> I know I know let's start with but but bottom line you could ask a brother would you someday like to be a head coach and he said well yeah well the shit ain't going to happen right. all you got to all you got to do is look at this <laughs> it ain't going to happen I remember people
0: they're these athletes they're trained you're you know trained athletes and not just not just your body your, your mind is trained from, what, age 10? Um, where, you know, what, like like Ken said, like, who were your coaches then? Right. Who were your coaches all the way through the system?
2: Right. And you're taught, you know, that the white man's ice is colder. Yeah. White is right. It's almost like... The white you know, has the it's power. Like, it's
0: like lawyers. It's like, right. you know, people, people, you know, a lot of black people want white lawyers. That's right. White
2: doctors. Right. White doctors. White I mean. dentists. Mm-hmm. You know? No, that's... And it's and a whole, and I guess that's our dilemma as African Americans in this country is this whole idea of the white man's ice is colder. I remember, you know, the the whole thing of 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 when black folks were living in black communities. And Ken, you know, your, your father was a doctor, you know, and there was a whole community of black physicians. There was a community of, right. of black bankers. I mean, there was a point in time when we lived in the same community, we saw each other doing these other things. We saw bankers or teachers or principals. If we were to an HBCU, you saw black folks. Co- you know, and I remember there came across some passage uh, when I was doing research for my book, a couple of white people said, no, we need to break this stuff up. We need we don't we don't want to have black folks all out there among each other. We need to have white people there to reinsert our superiority. So this whole idea of black mm. folks being among that is not a that ain't a good thing. Mm. And that's kind of where we are now, where you're right. Can people a lot of white guys growing up have never had a black teacher? Maybe.
0: Right. <laughs> No, you know, seriously, a yeah, lot of black people yeah. growing up didn't have a black teacher. Right, right. I remember that went around, I don't know if it was social media or somewhere, but people were asking, uh, when was the first time you had a black teacher?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of black people were like, oh, I, don't, I didn't have one until sixth grade or seventh grade or, you know, high school.
2: Right. Right. Let's, let's bring Aaron into this conversation because, you know, you grew up in New Mexico with a, in a predominantly white, you went to a predominantly white school,
1: right? Yeah, the first time I had a black
0: teacher. Yeah, when was the first time I had a black teacher? She's thinking.
1: I don't. I think I not till (laughs) college, maybe. College, yeah. At at, at Howard, there (laughs) there were there were black teachers at my school, but I didn't have them.
0: Yeah, same difference. You know, not enough, obviously, at your school.
1: But I'm wondering for you guys. So I was listening to, you know, Golick and Wingo uh, interviewed Marvin Lewis today. Mm. And I don't know. I don't I'm still new to Marvin Lewis, but he didn't say anything super controversial to me. Um, he, He didn't seem he, in my opinion, didn't seem to. Say there's a huge problem, or he, he thought his interview process went well. But
0: uh, I wonder, well he wants another interview process, you
2: right? Know, see, that's part of the problem. And Marvin is a wonderful guy. Let me just you, you know, whatever you preface it like that. <laughs> oh, here we go. He go fucking <laughs> smash him. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I mean, Marvin's a good guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, can you, can you even critique the process when you're in it? And, and who not. is it more of and the when you're part of owners to blame? For this issue. Well, I mean, of course, everybody.
2: I mean, I mean, but the thing with Marvin, and again, I love Marvin, and he's out in Arizona State, where I'm headed. So, right. I'm, you know,
1: Yay, Marvin. But
2: you know, Marvin is part of. I mean, Marvin coached Cincinnati for like what 15 years or something. Right. Yeah, many of when we losing season, also Marvin is part of the in crowd in a way, and
0: he's an exception to the rule.
2: Yeah, he's you know. So I think from her, his his perspective, you know, maybe things are kind of like, hey, what's wrong?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it would it would sound crazy. Now I'm just thinking about this now, but it would sound crazy if Marvin Lewis of all people were complaining about black people getting chances and not getting enough time on the job. Because whenever I bring right. it up on Twitter, right. people throw Marvin. Marvin He's the first one.
2: <laughs> They're like, "What about <laughs> Marvin Lewis? He ate twenty years and <laughs> one winning season." <laughs> I'm like, I, and, and
0: I throw back at him, "Well, you know, considering what they look like this year, maybe maybe it was a good thing."
2: Yeah, you know, and the Marvin, you know, the, 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 yeah, go ahead, go ahead, you
5: know the. the I was the case, the case, the case for Marvin though is again, if it's, a, it's a subjective, like you said, Bill, that's that's so important that give Marvin the resources of the Dallas Cowboys right. as opposed to what he had in Cincinnati. Right, I mean, that that's that's the subjective. If you want to make him the guy, or, or Caldwell, you know, better record right. than than Schwartz, at Detroit, and you know, uh, Super Bowl success and and all this, he, he can take over a team like the Browns. Right, that. Clearly lacked a leader, somebody that knew how to lead an organization. But subjectively, you know, what what they what like the Giants want to see is a guy standing in front of them that, uh, like in those old Tarzan movies, can, can talk both to, to the brothers and then come into the front office and 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 the the white uh, uh, hunter that's hired them to, to be the guide is comfortable with them, and and the, the natives are comfortable. That's right. So, uh, and and in the face of the owner, it is the the, the half-shaven younger white guy who's fit. And uh, gosh, I'm a, I'm gonna find somebody like these other teams have found. And I mean that's that's kind of the, the the subjective mode of the day.
2: Who knows Jay Z? Know oh yeah, I know Jay Z. Yeah. But, hey, but here's the and thing. To be fair, here's a thing. I just want to add. Hmm?
1: Marvin did say he was fine with not being hired, but he does want the process to be open to more people.
2: Okay, that's fine. So. Yeah. I mean, even if you had a and Ken, I mean, Ken, you you've worked a lot because you you've worked with folks at the NFL and 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 you know, in terms of thinking, uh, you know, you you work with um, what's the name, Stephen Ross, down in Miami. Uh, right. So I guess you know. You know, you know some of the thinking here. So maybe just take us on the flip side of the thinking. Let's give us a benefit. Let's let's argue the other side of this, okay? Let's argue the other side. Let's argue from the perspective of a white multi-billionaire.
5: Yeah, let's say you're the owner.
2: Let's say you're the but owner, you're
5: yeah, but you're white. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> which is a whole other problem. There's, there's a solution, maybe, a black owner. But right. That's another. That's a whole other conversation. Well, you know what? I mean, you're saying this, and I wrote about this. Almost thirty years ago now, and I remember one of the, one of the, the quotes, and I can't remember who gave it to me. And, and this is almost verbatim what it is: hiring a coach is a very subjective thing. So, you, so that that sits there. Maybe that's where you stole that from, Bill. Is a very <laughs> subjective thing. And and then the next line, this this person said, it, it's like choosing a wife. Hmm. And and think, about it, especially, you know, 30 years ago, you know, race issues, that was going to be somebody saying, you know, right. so, so, but to think about it as that personal, that that that's the, the owner sees himself as interacting with this person, especially think about Jerry Jones. That's why, you know, I don't know what Marvin was told to, to have that conversation, but is Jerry really going to hire, hire you? What, what gives you an indication that, that level of intimacy is something that, that he wants to have with you. So, so Steve Ross, Tyre Flores, I, I will tell you, I, w- I was, uh, I was surprised. Um, you know, I was, I was, I, I did not see that coming. But he thinks about those issues a lot, and you know, Steve Ross would be a whole, you know, a whole different show. But it is, you know, <laughs> the one one thing that I will give him credit for in that moment. And, and that's what these owners have to do. There was some courage to say, I have a good feeling about this, mm. as opposed to whatever. You know, he, he is, he's plowed through a lot of what he doesn't know about black people through his efforts with his nonprofit and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. to have some level of comfort where, you know, all, all, all these other owners, not all of them, they can spend their whole day without interacting with a black person other than those guys that are on the team. That they, they, they watch play, and, and their connection—I was do my Tarzan analogy. Their connection <laughs> is through this coach, through the coaching staff, and through the the, the player engagement person, the player development person. So you got to get a level of comfort. And that's that's what I say. All these programs, you know, that, that when you try to think about what's next, this this Rooney Rule and these programs and the summits and all that sort of thing. I don't know. I don't know what's next. I don't, I don't know what we're supposed to be
2: doing. That <laughs> every time, every time you bring a Tarzan, like you said, <laughs> <I think laughs> you know the guy—that was a great thing—the guy who, uh, you know, who, who could speak to both the black <laughs> and the white. Oh. oh, oh,
5: oh. <laughs> hey, hey and and by the way i to the black to the to the to the native folks and to the uh, people paying for the, the guy <laughs> they also Tarzan end speak to the animals too right so that's
2: fun. right <laughs> <laughs> hey man so um <laughs> how, how do we gracefully get to 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 the to, you know you 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 know we've um can we talk about this, the quarterback summit yet? Is it too early to talk about that?
1: No, no, but I'm, I'm curious. Do you think that the coaching thing is a bit like the black quarterback cycle? Like, you know, there are, there are, some, there are like, what, eight black quarterbacks this, this season? Not Well, it's postseason now, but, um, and then, you know, maybe next year there'll be four. And then, like, do you, is, is coaching like that? Like, is it, do you think, well, this just happens to be a bad year? Or is this, do you think it'll change soon?
2: Ken, you talk We talked about that yesterday. I think you were saying it's beyond that, right? We're, we're beyond that cycle. You, can, you just came up with yeah, a study, or right? you think we're beyond that cycle?
5: I, th- I think so. You, know, you think about it. You know, so, so last year was it four or five black coaches are, are fired, and this year there's 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 none hired. You know, you got Flores in in, in the middle in there, and and again, you know, again, I'm I'm a unifier. If we if we take out coaches of color. Then, we, if we take Rivera out, then it's really tragic. I mean, mm-hmm. It really, it really is a tragic uh, moment in time where, where we're at zero. So a lot of people are going to try to push. And I think we we say all due respect to Rivera and to our, our Latino brothers, but you know, no black people have been hired this year. Right. So 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 that that that's a a dramatic moment that we, we have not seen for a while. To have that multiple firing and 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 and, and then no hirings. You know, I I think with you know with the black quarterback, I mean w- what what Bill said is is right on target. That that it's it's proven itself on the field, and you can see the success. It, the The fact that that some black coaches have had success doesn't seem to stick in the same way. Right. And I don't know how we how we get to the point where that recognition can be had. And and I, like we were saying. The traditional paths that people were saying we could follow to be successful, you know, talk to Eric, the enemy now, and and he's like, well, I did all this. Now, what what am I supposed to do? And and the idea of, you know, the other thing we have to throw in this conversation is this whole idea of everything we've always wanted as black people, that that argument of gradualism and, and, and all deliberate speed and be patient and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is the moment, and what I feel from everybody when they're talking about this is, is okay. We're we're more in that, in that uh, uh, sick and tired of being sick and tired moment uh, than than, uh, than being willing for gradualism. So, so yeah, it's something really dramatic about what's happening right now uh, that hasn't happened
2: before. I, I want to bring uh, Jamal Jamal uh, Murphy, my great co-host, bro- brought one of his proteges <laughs> in the. Uh, in the studio, who uh, he coached uh, at Poly Prep years ago. And uh, he's now a senior at Bates College. Uh, he's one of our, our young white brothers, uh, blue-eyed soul brothers, as they used to call them <laughs> in the, back in the day. But but we had this conversation, and there's a millennia, but we had this conversation uh, earlier. And the kind of thing is, what is going to be his responsibility when he gets to the point of, you know, 30 or 35 or 40 and hiring people, what what impact does all this stuff that we're talking about will it have on his consciousness as he gets to a point of having to hire people and be fair about it? Um, uh, introduce yourself and give us an answer.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. Um, my name is Matt Starr. Like the legendary Bill Rutten said, I'm a senior at Bates College. Um, should I go straight to the answer? Or is yeah, there please, any please, please. I <laughs> please. Yeah, I, I learned. This he guy's got a long career. Long. Details. He's, yeah. got, he's got
2: a big career ahead of
6: him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to skip the details. But basically what me and Bill were saying, which I think is, in short, the answer, obviously it's a bit deeper than what I'm about to say. But basically, first step is obviously to educate yourself. So to continue to occupy spaces that, make you a bit uncomfortable. Well, I'm saying that from the perspective of a white cis man, right? So basically to continue to occupy spaces with the people that you are trying to empower and trying to uplift and continue to make yourself uncomfortable and expose yourself to the types of structural oppression or types of injustices that you don't necessarily directly have to experience on a daily basis. So I think that's the first step. Um, And second step is obviously to think about it, let it simmer, become literate and articulate about what you've experienced then the third step is to kind of be thoughtful and deliberate about how you use your power or at least in any space that you occupy on a regular basis i think to be kind of thoughtful and deliberate about how you use that power to shape the lived experiences of those around you um so that would be my answer Mm
1: -hmm. You said you're a white cis man. Uh, In case our listeners don't know,
6: what is Uh, cis? What is cis? So cis is identifying as the sex that you're born as. So if I was born with traditionally male genitalia, identifying as a male uh, once you get a bit older.
2: I missed Mm -hmm. that. How do you introduce yourself as a
6: white white? what? A white cis male, cisgender. Yeah, Yeah, That's very millennial. That yeah, big, thing, huh? big thing. You big got to thing. spend more time on a college, college, college
5: campus, Bill. You got to get on a college campus, and you, you yeah. get tipped <laughs> to all that stuff. Wow! <laughs> and, and and you don't make any assumptions about who somebody is. Wow! And You like they and them. You get your pronouns together, brother. Don't don't mess up.
2: Wow! <laughs> Give, tell me some more. Maybe <laughs> 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 I don't want to get fired before I even start. So, what would be the what's what? <laughs> what, is, what, is, what would be another term? Like if you weren't. A white cis man. What would what would be some other thing?
6: Some other terms yeah. to describe myself. So right. Th- that, you know, that if you were not that. So it, oh, so cis non-binary. So gender non-binary, gender non or uh, actually that no, non-conforming. It, yeah, tra- uh, like, fluid. So you could call yourself fluid. So basically, gender's um, spectrum. It's fluid. So basically, any term other than cisgender would be saying I don't identify within the traditional. Heteropatriarchal, gender binary. Uh, obviously, these are all fancy Jesus terms Christ. for like, yeah, these are all fancy progressive terms for. Women <laughs> women. So, so in a yeah, cl- but no, it, it no, is no, though. No, it's no, like really it, fancy no. academic terms. So
2: so when you're in a class, it's a class for the first time. Do you get a straight dance? Okay, you guys tell me who's who.
0: But that's how. You, so you you introduce yourself like that. That's what. That's so, how you so, do. It so, so because um, we just asked you who you were. Uh, and then,
6: so I'd love to tell you exactly how it goes. So basically, on the first day of class, because we have really small classes, they have you say your name, your major, where you're from, and then your pronouns. So you oh, wow. give the pronouns that you most frequently or strongly identify as. Uh, so since I identify as a male, I would be him, he, him, his, and some people identify with non-binary pronouns which would be something like z or hir her um but yeah so this is all the new lingo that okay. you've been uh, uh, apparently missing but <laughs> I, I, I don't know uh, this well is we the, like to think uh, what the hell is his name <laughs> <laughs> Bad, Bad Star, no exactly so, so basically he, that's he what's went, going he, on wow um,
2: but that's good no that's that cuz when he said it I completely missed it till Aaron yeah, <laughs> being Aaron. the editor that she uh, is uh, uh, asked him to Repeat that. And, and explain.
6: No, no, for sure. Uh, the way I wow. see it, it is a lot to remember, but it, it's small things that make people feel included. So it's yeah. all good stuff. You mm. know?
1: Okay. But I want to get to what you said, also, back to uh, the coaching. You said, you know, be really thoughtful and, and be aware of who you are. But I think it gets to what Jamal was saying about this this notion of best fit and we're just hiring the best people and i think that's just as long as that's your rubric it's so subjective because also i think and it's that,
0: a lie I like i, I think that I, yeah. I think that's a lot like when people say we just want to hire the best people we well, we know that's not true course. because you are firing them two years later right so that's not what's happening you're not hiring the best people if you were truly hiring the best people for the job it would be a lot more diverse uh, the coach there would be there'd be women in there there'd be uh, brown and black people in there, no question. If you if you're talking about the best people, so that that's that is a lie, and and then we know where you're coming from when you say something like that. When you say we're we're just looking for the best people.
1: If you if you look if you're as someone who just got into football, if you just look at the coaches, they're all like I don't know, six foot something white men, not super athletic, kind of have a belly. Like I almost <laughs> thought, I was like Jason Garrett didn't make it because he's too skinny. Like that's that's why he didn't work. Yeah.
6: <laughs> Honestly, though, but I think that's part of the thoughtfulness piece, right? Like you said, I think part of the thoughtfulness piece is realizing there's systems in place that make some candidates appear more frequently than others or some types of candidates and adjusting for that. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, you would have more people of color in the room and more... Women or what, non-binary, whatever. If you had taken a s- second to think, like maybe there's a reason most of my applicants are white men, or most of the people within my purview right. are white men. So I think I think that's part of it.
0: I mean, uh, Ken, you know, part of the part of the what your research research pulled up in the study that you did, that one of the most interesting things is something that we already knew was the case, but you put you 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 put numbers to it, you put statistics to it, was that. Black coaches, like uh, a team that hires a black coach, almost never. Uh, when once they fire that black coach, they never replace him with another black coach. Yeah. And that was yeah. that was, was no. That's a very like what, what you, like talk to me. Yeah. Talk to other me about than, what that other
5: means. Than the, uh, well, other than the the you know the Dungy Caldwell handoff, uh, it, it. I don't think it's a big occurrence at all. I mean, and, and what what it, what it means is okay. We we tried we tried that,
4: <laughs> right? Um, and,
5: and, and there's not. And think of how often it's not with great frequency, but but there is this kind of uh, your successor kind of story, right? That that you want to be in the case to hand it off to somebody. And again, that's a that's a very personal. You know, who is it that you've groomed, and are you going to be the person that's, that's grooming cross racial? And, and that 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 doesn't seem to be happening a lot you know you know that that that's that the, the fact that there's never been a head coach a black head coach in college that's gone to the pros where six six percent of whites that's how they've gotten there right um uh, i mean there, there's some there's some striking things that we just have not engaged in and a hundred percent of of uh, black head coaches have played uh some level of football where there was were nine percent that, that and whites hadn't even played past high school, mm. and, and most of the most of the uh, uh, head coaches in the NFL, black guys had played at, at the NFL. Which about I don't remember in baseball in. Which you know, baseball, almost all of those guys, fifteen managers in baseball, fifteen black managers right. in baseball. Okay. I, I think most, many of them are in or headed to the Hall of Fame. rather right. than three, three or four were white guys. You know, we can name you know a dozen white white uh, managers in baseball that you know didn't even get out of high school ball, maybe barely played in the minors. So so the, the subjective qualifications, uh you you can quantify a lot of this stuff the what the differences are and how, how there's different treatment. The uh, the idea of uh, we're we're right in the middle in terms of age. Um uh, you can't be an outlier. This is why Caldwell and Leslie Frazier they're in many ways oh those guys are too old. Mm. Uh, and it's not going to be, you know, we got, you know, a couple of guys that have almost squeaked through, but we don't have the ultra young black guys. I mean, you got to, because then it's easy to say you don't have the experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it, 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 so there's a lot of stuff you can look to to say how we are being, have been treated differently in terms of where we've been hired. Um, and, 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 you know, if, if we take the, the best circumstances and part of what the studies you were trying to work through to do is to if there, if there are the kind of steve ross uh in the moment right thinking people and and you can be jogged and say hey you know uh you hire young white guys are hired or hey old white guys are hired you need to look at frazier and, and caldwell mm-hmm. um, um you, you can't you can't look at um, <laughs> who's that guy to keep gonna LeBeau at 77 or whatever mm-hmm. you know the, you can Hiring some old guys to to come in, or or, or these guys, who, you know, we see uh, Wade Phillips, mm-hmm. you know, Wade Phillips still out there. You know, all these guys that have been around forever. Uh, where you know, black guys, okay, it's 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 too late.
2: Uh, so so, what's the the solution? And maybe we should, as we wind it, because I'm, I'm, you know, can we talk about this? And we talk about the segment before. And all we're, we're we're asking, we're we're you know, we're raising all these things, like, well, why and uh, we know why it's white supremacy and it's racism. You know, it's like I, I, the analogy is like the Celtics are getting ready to play the Knicks, right? And you know, it's us versus them. All right, we know that the Knicks are trying to beat our ass. You try, you know, we're not going over to the the Celtics locker rooms. Hey, could you take it easier? We know it's a battle, it's war, and that's what this is. So, how do we confront that? We know what the deal is. These people are dug in. You know. And particularly when an environment, at least when, when under Obama, for eight years, you could say, well, damn, if we could have a black man in the White House, we could certainly have a head coach at the <laughs> University of fucking Miami. Right, right. You know, And that's something for eight years that people think, yeah, and there's some degree of shame. But now, you know, you've got this guy in the White House, just like when you have one coach and replace him with, now to get this white guy who is, who is nurturing neo-Nazis and Confederates and basically telling white men and white people that, hey, man, don't give that shit away. Don't give your entitlement away. You were free for these next eight years to be white, be entitled, blah, 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 blah. How do we as african American and people who sympathize with this, what do we do next? I mean, I'm talking about players going to war, players kneeling. I mean, to me, I think this, there's got to be, this is a battle, and you got to see it like that. What do you think?
5: Well, you know the one. The one thing I'll, I'll throw in is I think I think you you are. I know you're right. This is a special moment. Something needs to be done. You know I wish I was smart enough to to, to know what the answer is. You know the I think I'm saying it to you, to you, to you Bill. That reading this Frederick Douglass book and the quote yeah. in there that just jumps out at me. That, that, that you know you you think about you know what are you supposed to do when you know somebody's wrong and is his you know the, the great quote is "Men are whipped oftenest who are whipped easiest." Mm. I mean, if you allow it to keep happening, you're never gonna, you're never going to be free. You're mm. never going to get past it. So th- this is this is this is this is a terrible moment. Mm. I mean, this is can you be having more clarity again? Absolutely. You know, I don't know if we're going to go out and do the happy dance when if the enemy gets hired in Cleveland. I, I don't, I
2: don't right, think, we take it all I, back. I make okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're sorry. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> hey, but Kim, but you know, you, you said something. Remember, I think we must have had this conversation before. We talk about how terrible a moment is until we think about our fathers and right. their fathers and our grandmother. But you know, like if we think we have a terrible, think about two generations back when there was, like, right. no fucking reason for hope. Right. You know, uh, you know, I mean, so when you think about our great-great-grandparents, how the hell must they have yeah. felt when they look at all this and thinking, they've they got no shot. But if they knew what you would be doing, if they knew what I was doing, damn, you mean my great-great-grandson is going to work at the New York Times? I mean, my great-great-grandson yeah. is going to go to Stanford and be a doctor. I mean, my my granddaughter, great-great-great-great-granddaughter, is going to be working at ESPN. And my, I mean, they would then say, you know what? There's, or are we going to have a black president in fifty years? Let's say, hey, let's let's get back to work. Right. So I'm thinking there has to be yeah. that type of hope. Because if not, I mean, what do we? Why bother?
5: Well, yeah, and you brought up brought a black black quarterback, and and you think a wonderful. Work that Eddie Robinson did with 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 Shaq and and Doug, and this is the way you got to play to be successful in the league, to make it to the league. I mean, there was a, there was a, the formula, there was the equation. He had he, he figured it out. Mm-hmm. We have not figured it out. We know we need to do something in this moment, but we have not figured out what that well, something it, it, is. Right. I mean that, that that I think that's that's the and I think I think I mean for me. Yeah, I've been looking at this stuff pretty closely over this past year, looked at it forever, but pretty closely this past year. I'm still I was still frankly blindsided by this moment.
2: Yeah, me too. I, I, I feel the same way, Ken. In what in what way? Like what
0: what did you think might happen?
5: That well they they fired, you know, four or five last year. Right. Surely there's gonna be <laughs> surely it's gonna be some more getting hired. Right? Right. It was it was almost a well, the way it's been working. Right. I mean, and the average over the past 10 years of period, we look at it, you know, 2.3, uh, it went from, from two uh, to the beginning of really we think about the term, and Tony in 2003 were the only two. You know, we've been up to as many as, again, if you count R- Rivera, eight or nine. Um, you know, now we're down to, to three. I said, well, you know, it'll come back up. It's been, you know, we've been up eight or nine. Surely it'll go back up there. We're tired. We got rid of that many, some but none. I mean, I was I was just surprised and, that none.
0: And also the the two two of the guys who were hired. When you look at it, right. I mean, you know, judge and rule. I mean, these guys came. You know, they came out of no. They came out of nowhere. They didn't have any experience. So yeah. it was almost like you know. I said it before. It was almost like a, you know personally, it felt like a, a slap in the face. Like you have a guy like uh, Eric Bieniemy. Um, who have you know who if he were white there's no way he doesn't I mean if he were white he's Nagy from Chicago and gets the credit for being uh Reed's offensive coordinator at Kansas City and gets that Chicago job right yeah I mean he's the same I mean, it's the same thing but but they look past but now people say oh that's not being offense that's, a- that's Reed's offense Right. but right. they didn't say that about Nagy when he got the job two years ago But again Jamal well, that's
2: because it's, right no it's I know racist. why I'm
0: just saying I'm just yeah, saying yeah. so so the fact that that not only did they not hire these guys, but they hired two guys <laughs> that uh, that had much less experience and came out of nowhere. No, nobody ever heard of these but
2: see, guys. I but this is where you have where a guy like Mahomes, you got to have some gu- guts, man. A guy like Mahomes has to be. Yeah, you know, I think Eric. I think I think Eric the Enemy really has to really get a shot here because I think that what he's done for me is blah 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 blah. Or or somebody like
0: he's he said that, but not not loud
2: enough. Well, you got to do it right. a little louder. Right. I mean, you can't do it in a silo.
0: I mean, you probably told one reporter that. You know, what I mean? that's what I mean. Like he's yeah. been quoted here or there as saying that. Yeah. And Reed even has said, you know, Beanie is 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 very ready. He knows the offense like the back of his hand. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: and, yeah, yeah. And 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 somebody like you know DeMorris. I mean, it has to be a lot. Of the, which which you know, um, I'm listening to the media, and again, we have to get our business as the media, right? That's you know, I'm listening to. Serious NFL radio for the past, you know, for I listen to I listen to a lot of serious right, all day because I'm in my car a lot. I listen to it all day, and when it comes to this, it hasn't been brought up. I mean, it's like it did not happen. It's well, like ESP, this shit. ESPN it,
0: brought it up this morning, which was interesting. No, a uh, TV. But on I'm talking up, yeah.
2: about on serious satellite. I mean, right. like on a right. foot, on a football show. Right. Stephen A. You expect, you know, Stephen A. Okay, that's in his wheelhouse. So he, to his credit, it comes up. But I'm talking about all day. On radio, program after program, three-hour programs, three-hour programs, three, and they talk about all the mo- hadn't come up, and these are white hosts, two white calls in the morning, the next show, the next show, the next show, hadn't come up until I think maybe Solomon Wilcox standing in at nine at night, right? You know, but I'm saying so. In our business, like the way we're going to deal with this is that we're not going to deal with it, we're not going to bring it up, and if you happen to call in and bring it up then you get oh come on i don't you know that oh come on i don't think you know, you shout them down that kind of stuff so um i you know i mean i i don't know man i mean i think that some of the stuff that ken you're doing out of Arizona state at the global sports institute where you bring this stuff up and you right. put numbers to it you right. know but but we have to do almost in honor of our our fathers and grandfathers and great great grandfathers you know we got to bring this stuff up. You have to keep on fighting because where else is a sense of hope? You know. So um, yeah, yeah. Anyway,
0: yeah. No, you have to, you have to yeah. you have to talk about it. Put you know, keep putting whatever pressure you can. You can you can bring you bring that pressure. Keep talking about it. Um, it has been an issue. You know. I mean, ESPN is a major outlet to have them talk about it this morning. I, I was surprised actually, and even segued into NBA about with NBA not doing enough.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, would you look at this stuff logically? And you look at particularly Major League Baseball. Oh, thank you very much, my brother. Well, yeah, you've been a great contribution, and you've got a long career ahead of you.
6: Ble- believe it, it's my honor to even be here. So thank you very much for having me.
2: <laughs> okay, now get back in, yeah. back in the camera. And, oh,
6: yeah. I got you. I told you. See, now, you know what?
2: You know, five years from now, when he's the president of ESPN, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be on the show. I'm busy. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Uh, but um, what was I saying? I don't remember. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, well, I
1: just think that yeah. you don't you don't have to if you really think that people are the best people are being hired, then you give give yourself an excuse. It's like, oh, well, the best people are hired, right. so there's nothing to talk about. And, and, and,
2: and that's the whole yeah. problem, I'm sure, when these white cats doing this. In their minds, they're just it's like being a fish in water, you know. Well, of of course, I mean these are all the best yeah. guys. Yeah. Like our, our special teams guy in New England is better than like Eric Bieniemy or any other black person you come in with. Our, mediocre, our most almost mediocre white man, is better than any competent black person you would you would you would tell me about. Right. and and has probably believed that right. that yeah. And and so when you have a guy in the White House who's basically saying that. You know, and, and you know, we're going to fucking bomb, you know, bomb Iran, you know, you know, and, and dare them to do something about it. You know, we're going to dare you to do something about it. Or, you know, say, yeah, we're going to hire all these white guys and dare you, dare you black folks in the league to do something about it. I don't care if you are. Right,
0: we're going to blackball yeah, uh, Colin black- Kaepernick and we're going to dare, dare you to do something, to do about, something about it. About it and, and you're not.
2: Right, because yeah. we know the leader of your union, for example, you know, ain't going to do nothing about it, you know. And we know it. So... There you have it. And and it's you know, they have us, you know, the power structure always knows who the fuck to put in power to keep them in power. With with black people, yeah. we know what black people to put in power is gonna keep us in power. You know.
5: You know, it's, it's interesting to think about how this kind of change has happened before. You think about, you know, Russell becoming a coach with with the Celtics as Arbach does it. You think about uh, uh Robinson becoming uh, coach in baseball, that's, that's, you know, shortly after Robinson, Jackie Robinson at the All-Star Game, you know, diabetic, you know, moment in his face and about to pass away and says, you know, I'll be happy when this this happens and, mm-hmm. and kind of serves as a catalyst. And then the next wave in baseball comes after that Al Campanis moment. I mean, yeah. that was really uh, kind of the kind of event that happens there. And then, and then football was really, you know, Al Davis, an owner, says, you know, I'm, you know I need my guy, Archel. So I don't know what you know. It, it, we need some kind of and and believe me, the atmosphere is ripe for somebody to do something. <laughs> Al Campanis, uh, Jimmy the Greek, wise in this setting,
4: right? That's right.
5: Um, That's to right. serve as a catalyst, um, uh, or an Al Davis, you know, right-thinking owner saying, you know, I, I I need to do this,
2: right? Exactly.
5: Um, but I don't I don't know I don't know what else you know the players to be active on these, you know players have traditionally not been active on on these issues right um it'd be wonderful if the active players have not traditionally been active on these issues so
2: and, and and i could you know i mean i i could understand there's a lot to there's a lot on the line um yeah. but um well anyway well, there was kid i know that you're in vegas you got you got places to go where are you going well never mind. <laughs> <laughs> i got to get back out of the strip there <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but hey, hey, I'm listen.
5: attending the, uh, the 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 uh, CES conference, you know, the consumer electronics with sports related issues out here. So that, right. that's what I'm doing. Uh, that
2: should be fun. That should be nice. Yeah. Well, look, brother, you know, as always, man. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. He's actually a de facto part of the show. Yeah, Ken is always on. Uh, so listen, man. Thank you very much, Ken. Uh, this has been great. We're going to do right. it again uh, frequently, but we do have to. To, we got to do this more often we have to have it on t v right because you know you have to have these kind of conversations on television like 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 you yeah. know first take and right. that kind of stuff you know uh because this has to be front and center in people's minds
0: yeah yeah that's our job
5: it,
2: that's, our job. Right. that's,
5: our, job. that's Anytime. our job I appreciate it thank you
0: guys I right,
2: right, can talk to you soon we like to uh this is great this has been great jamal thank you Aaron, thank you um there's uh, Matt Starr. Matt, Matt Starr. Building. Matt Starr, hey, my, thank my
0: you very much. Coached him at JV. He was very hardworking. Uh, rebound, you know, great rebounder. All kinds of energy, as you can tell.
2: Yeah, you can tell. All Lots kind of, energy, of
0: energy, great attitude. Great attitude. Yeah, great, great attitude. attitude.
2: That'll take him a long way. Yeah. yeah. That'd be white male. No, white, what do you call <laughs> white cis what? Yep. Cis.
1: Yep, white cis male. <laughs> <laughs>
2: there you go. Thank you for that, too. I had no, I- no idea. I was like, wow. <laughs> you
0: know? I, I didn't either, really. That's pretty sad. I should know, right?
2: Yeah, I you're guess. closer to. Well, Aaron, Aaron, do you know that? Did you know that?
0: A couple of my friends will be mad at me for not knowing what that meant.
2: <laughs> yeah. Know. I guess That's I should important. have a playbook. So, anyway, uh, now, but what, what do we have left? No, this- oh, okay. All right. So, listen, uh, this has been great. Uh, another great show, uh, another great way to spend an evening. So, uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week, right? We'll have a lot of other stuff to yeah. talk about. Yeah. By the time the last black coach will not have been hired,
0: and we'll see how many black quarterbacks are left. That's what we're no, that's next a big
2: week. thing. Yeah. Any 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 bets on that? Any any wagers on who's going to play in the NFC Conference Championship? And, oh, I got it. Uh, AFC Conference I mean, Championship.
0: I'm hoping there's no up- upset because I got Lamar versus Mahomes in the in the AFC Championship game.
2: What about the NFC?
0: NFC is a little rougher. I'm rooting for uh, I'm Russell. Pulling, but, I'm pulling for Seattle. But they they have they've been winning ugly. They haven't looked good. But I don't care. They can still get it done. I don't
2: care. Um, Aaron.
1: Well, I, I was just actually gonna change the subject and ask you guys: Have you heard about the uh, the kind of the issues with the Golden Globes and the the BAFTA, the British Academy Film Awards? No, um, they, So, Globe. That's the Go- why you're here. <laughs> well, Golden Globes: not a single woman director was nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of snubs of uh, black actors and black films, mm-hmm. and apparently, BAFTA: uh, no uh, people of color. Only white actors were nominated for uh, best actor. Mm-hmm. And so they're getting a lot of backlash. You know, it made me think about this conversation as well oh. with the coaches. Tis right? the so-
0: season.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's, all really, it's almost as if there's this whole thing of a consolidation, like white power. Mm-hmm. Like with all these minorities and the women are trying to get it, you know. That's yeah, like, you know, like you said, it's, circling it's, it's in Trump. The
0: it's Trump. We, they're taking back, you know, they're trying to take back what, what they thought was rightfully theirs. Right. You know, but we, like you said, we got to keep fighting.
2: Yes, people like young Matt Starr. Yes. Who will like, you know, say, well, no, fair is fair. You know, and all that. So, until he's he gets that trillion-dollar contract. <laughs> said, Star, do you want that billion-dollar condo overlooking the ocean? Or do you want to fuck with Jamal and Bill? <laughs> well, wow, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I'll invite him to dinner. I'll
1: invite him to dinner. <laughs> oh, correction. In BAFTA, a uh, supporting actor or actress, all of them were white. There's uh-huh. not a single person of color. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of great movies this year.
2: Sure, of course, every year. Of course, yeah. So, you know, but... You know, you have to keep grinding because, you know, when people do like this, it's almost like this fear. Backlash is always. Because, you know, if you look at the black quarterback thing, you know, at the undefeated, we've been talking about, you're the black quarterback leader. But everything has an, there's a yin and a yang. So you don't think there's some white people out there talking about, they talking about, we're going to give them Trevor Lawrence Mm. and we're going to give them uh, Joe Burrow. Burrow. You know, we're going to get some white. Mm. Don't, you know. And they could run too. Yeah, they could run too, but (laughs) we'll see. Anyway, but listen. Aaron, thank you very much. great to have you. A great to be permanent here. part of the thing tomorrow as usual. Matt, thanks again and we will see everybody next week. Uh, God bless. And take care.